0: Hello! If you're hearing my voice right now, then you have stumbled onto the podcast where real stories of professional criminal profilers are told by professional assholes. Welcome to Profiling Pain. How's it going, co-filers? No... It is not an illusion. Yes, there is a new episode. You do have something else to download, to stream, to listen to, all that jazz. There is more profiling. There is more pain. There is more everything. Sorry it has taken so long. I know we left you you high and dry in the winter, and you guys were just cold without our warmth. But we have returned. We're back. Season 2 has started. We've got a big case we're going to cover, and as usual, it's going to go through the timeline. It's going to go, I mean, nothing... About the format has changed, except for we think we're a little bit better at our jobs.
1: Fingers firmly crossed.
0: (laughs) Now, also, on the last episode, when you guys listened to the finale Mm -hmm. where we covered the alphabet murders, uh, we had a guest on, Rocio. Hello. And she has volunteered. I mean, she kind of showed up, so we didn't shun her away. She said that she'd like to be on the show. And we were like, Yeah. That sounds good to us because that otherwise, us out out
2: of the kindness <laughs> yeah. of her
0: heart. Because <laughs> otherwise, it's just two dudes going, "Hey, remember that one time that guy did that thing with that that thing?" And we're like, "Yeah, yeah." And so now we have a little bit more of a lighter touch, and also a more professional perspective. As we mentioned on the last episode, God knows how long ago now. Um, she's actually gone to school for this stuff. She's actually done a little bit in child psychology, having to study and everything else like that. So, as Certified
2: we, insight, man. Right. So
0: <laughs> so now there's a little bit more validity to the things that we say, and it's just not me and Fuego throwing shit out we've Googled. So as usual, I'm your host, Chris Payne. Thank you guys for showing up. To my left is my co-host. Got honey and Fuego here. And our newest addition.
3: Hello. It is Rocio Onak. Thank you guys for having me.
0: So thank you guys. Our numbers have continued to rise even though we ourselves have been absent. So once again, sorry, things have been a little bit crazy, uh, personal life stuff and social life stuff. It's just been all over the place, but you guys have not disappointed at all. We've picked up God, I mean, over a thousand new subscribers and downloads. I mean, it's been going pretty, pretty good. I've been watching the numbers from a distance kind of, you know, like I'll be there soon with the hand pressed against the glass. (laughs) Don't you forget uh, about me. don't you. So that's where we're at now. But uh, we're here. We're going to cover Ted Bundy. So we're going to start off with a heavy hitter. We're we're aiming for the stars with this one. And then uh, throughout this season, things are going to change a little bit. We're going to kind of change the uh, dynamic of what kind of cases we cover. So that should be interesting. And then to start the show, as usual, we're going to do current events. And uh, the first one, so Corona's a thing.
3: Yeah, apparently.
0: Yeah, they have. Like, well, uh, they they're actually making seltzers
2: now. So that's <laughs> right. I mean. Yeah, yeah.
0: There's actually. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but there was actually a, a thing in the news about people have literally stopped drinking Corona. Yeah. Like, and I think it, at first it's like huh, huh, the coronavirus. I'm not gonna do that anymore. Like a dumb joke, and then it actually turned into something real. They've actually seen like hundreds of thousands of dollar profit loss wow. in the last few weeks. Yeah, crazy, right? Not to mention, so I gotta mention this. I know that it is an election year, and I know we always say we don't want to get political, but we fucking do. It's it's gonna happen. So Garth Brooks last week played a show in Michigan. Okay, now you've heard of Barry Sanders, right? From Michigan, from from Detroit, like one of their yeah. Barry
2: Sanders, vote for me, man. Right, (laughs) I'm part of public
0: enemy. Come on, not Bernie Sanders, but Barry Sanders. Oh, okay. So anyway, don't know. (laughs) So okay, so. Garth Brooks did a show wearing a Barry Sanders jersey. Doesn't help that Detroit's what color? Blue. So he's wearing a blue. He's wearing a blue jersey with the word Sanders on the back, and he had some Twitter backlash. Which I still don't use Twitter. I refuse to use Twitter. You, you got to hit up Fuego for that shit. That's not me. It's not my Twitter's my baby. jam, bruh. So that's where the most
2: professional of us go is on Twitter. So you know, I mean, actually, it's waiting for you. I don't starter. even have a Twitter. I think. <laughs> so that's where all the journalists hang, man. I mean, all, that all the is? political and entertainment people. It's because. It's streamlined information, more so than anything. I mean, the fact that it puts you within the constraints of characters. Like, remember when a text message had to be X amount of characters, like 180 80. or whatever? I think it started off 80, right? And, or 60, maybe? maybe? Yeah. And actually, Twitter doubled their capacity like in the last like, couple more, right? of years or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's supposed to be streamlined, condensed thoughts. And more so than anything else for me, it, if I'm trying to look up movie and entertainment news, television, right. music, whatever, I can just scroll through headlines very quickly and, hmm. you know... I mean, that's that, that's why I like Twitter. It's not like. See, it's not all photos of my friend's children and food and stuff right, like yeah. that. And Although then, you see some of that on there. But then
0: you've got Twitter used for the forces of evil. Like, I'd probably just follow, like, Cat Dennings and Scarlett Johansson or something stupid. That way I feel like a cyber stalker. But just to make it more realistic, I'd probably do it while Kat running. Dennings, a hoodie, you know what
2: I mean? Girls or whatever the hell? Yeah. That's it, for rain. It, anywho. He's like, what am I talking about? No, no. Kat, no. Kat no, Dennings? No. Cat <laughs> Who innings? Yeah.
0: What? Hmm? So, uh, anyway, yeah, coronavirus. So it's, it's, uh,. Now, I work for a big semiconductor plant. It's killed over 200 people, so that basically designates it as a serial killer, right? Every year. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's why we're talking about you, Corona. Uh, No, so every year there's actually this big tech conference from all tech companies around the world, and they get together. This year it was actually canceled. Now, I don't know if anybody's been watching the stock market, but in the last few years, tech has been like rising, 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 rising. And we watched the stock market fall more than it ever has last week. The Dow just dropped. And I really wish I could tell you what that actually means, but I can't because I'm stupid. But I know it's not good. And then it rose again Friday, pretty damn good. And I still don't know if that's good or bad. So the Dow did things. It went red, then it went green. So I think green's good. Well, the stock market is very much an ebb and flow thing, obviously. Right, you know? and it's and it's all and the thing about it is that it's all based on what could happen, not what's happening. It's so very predictive for sure. The only thing I know for a fact is I probably lost some money from my four hundred one k. That's not the only <laughs> thing that I know for. That's oh, true. Well, well
2: from uh, having a father who lost his entire four hundred one k from the, the crash. Christian school that he worked for, oh, no. that just whittled it all the way through stupid investments. I and like stuff. the
0: fact that I just went, ah, oh, Jesus, and then they're like from a Christian school, yeah, exactly. So, who praise him? Praise so him. The chances <laughs> are. Because there's a multitude of countries listening. Uh, you guys are affected by uh, Corona. Also, guys, our Australian listeners, I am so damn sorry for what has happened to you guys recently. And we have a lot of our listener base actually from Australia. The
2: new general so, manager who took over the hotel that's my day job, you know, yeah. uh, last February, he's originally from Australia, Darren. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just its it's been a constant heavy thing on his heart. And some of the footage I saw, man, about just the – I mean – just natural disasters of you know fire and spreading nastiness yeah. of all of that. I mean the fact that there are species that are being pushed to the verge of extinction. Right because of these fires and just all the chemicals that they're using, unfortunately trying to quell it and it's it's just that's not good either. I haven't used all that crap. It has all kinds of other adverse side effects. Yeah.
0: I mean, I've even started binge-watching Rocco's Modern Life to show support for the Wallabies. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... <laughs> that's in bad taste. No, but seriously, no, you guys... Our, our hearts and our thoughts really are with you as you guys make it through. And it's, it really sucks that, you know, your guys' I guess, plight has kind of been put on the back burner since the Corona thing. And, yeah. and it just seems like everything's kind of getting shifted around. But my personal perspective, I think in about six weeks... You can quote me if you want because i mean if, if i'm wrong i'll be dead so it doesn't matter but uh, i think the corona thing's gonna be like yeah it's gonna be like the h1n1 swine flu it's just gonna be like a little six six blip. yeah everybody hits panic mode all of a sudden there's no more toilet paper or hand sanitizer sorry washington and then uh <laughs> and then it's all good again now local news for corona we actually had our third case happen today in phoenix uh arizona where we're located don't be stalkers and uh I guess the lady is actually in the medical field, uh, nurse or whatever the case may be, but a four-year-old uh, female, medical something or another. Uh, so they're saying that it actually came through public. Now, I'm wondering, and I haven't looked it up, and I haven't Googled it, and I haven't done anything. I'm just now. I'm just kind of speaking, but um, with the uptick and anti-vaxxer parents, and then something like, especially in Washington, dude, especially in Washington, they're so free there. Uh, those were the first case right and that's where it really really hit 10 deaths 10 deaths over the last few weeks now Mm -hmm. and it kind of rolled through a retirement community so I mean the youngest and the retired retirees those are kind of the most susceptible obviously but with these parents not vaccinating their kids and I mean their school's shutting down we've even received things in the mail about our kids school possibly shutting down like it's getting real and oh, dude, they delayed the new James Bond movie to November. Right. I mean, that shows how real this is. Right. I mean, and it's, it's taken over so much focus that I don't even know who the Democratic frontrunner is that's not going to win anyway. So I, I just don't know. Mm. I'm not Republican. I'm just saying it goes <laughs> in cycles, okay? Last time it was yeah. two terms of a Democrat. Before that, it was two terms of a Republican. Before that, it was two terms of a Democrat. I can't think about my lifetime where it has been two terms for a specific party. Well, I mean, we had so, Reagan to Bush. I mean, maybe
2: Carter. I think Carter only did, had one term, right? Well, well, we had Reagan, yeah. And then we had Reagan to Bush Sr. So that was right. actually three Republican straight terms Republican, of Republicans. Yeah, so. Yeah.
0: so there's there's some American history for you. Not so distant history. Yeah.
2: Now, I mean, in any event, though, I mean, the fact that, I mean, there's bands in Europe that are like Lacuna Coil just canceled mm-hmm. their, their European tour because, you know... Corona. They're actually even talking about Christine's moving. Getting... Dude, dude, they're actually. Anyway, uh, but they're they're also talking about even moving the Olympic Games from from Tokyo because of this. You know, because it didn't originate in you know the the, the far east of the right. Asia and stuff. And so, I don't know. There's a lot of people, nations who are even talking about like, unless you move it, we're going to boycott it. Yep. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's really grown into such a fiasco. So wouldn't that be ironic if it is squelch you know with, with, right. with the quickness the biggest fear especially after being such a big fan of Stephen King's The Stand and Captain Tripp's destroying 99% of the population of this planet in his imaginary scenario they're just worried it's going to mutate yeah, you know, which I already has. Which it's mutant, yeah. but I mean, yeah. mutate to a level where mm-hmm. they just don't know what to do and it spreads with much more fervency and right. And so that's the biggest fear. you know. They're, they're not worried about it in its current state or even its now, mutated state. The one
0: good thing about Arizona is that now it's currently one of six states in, in America that uh, America. actually does its own testing for it now. You no longer have to wait on the results from the CDC. Mm-hmm. So you can get it back as quickly as the next day now. So, or I think it was, I think they might've said six hours you get, as opposed to having to wait the whole week for it to go to the CDC in Atlanta and make its way back. And damn. so it's a little bit, I mean, Bernie Sanders, bro. I don't know if socialized medicine would get that done, bro. I'm just saying, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, last, last time I felt the burn, but this time, I mean, with diseases and damn it, dude. Anyway, moving on. Um, Now in more uh, U.S. news, this is the one that I was going to hit you guys with. Uh, this is the one specifically I'm, I'm, I'm aiming towards Rocio. You know, how you, you guys know how we do. Uh, and I've got my unpopular opinion, but I kind of want to hear your opinion. All right. Uh, let's hear it. Harvey Weinstein going to prison. Do you know anything about this case at all? Cause I'll give you some backstory.
3: Give me some backstory. <laughs> all right. Now the
0: Weinstein scandal. Okay. Now what it is, is that he had, he, uh, had some sexual allegations going all the way back to 2011, okay? Okay. Now, during his career as a film producer, Harvey Weinstein, formerly of Miramax Films and the Weinstein Company, which I can't think of a movie that doesn't have the Weinstein Company come up on it, exploited his influential position to commit criminal sexual acts, including rape. Now, I couldn't find the actual quote, and it kind of bothers me because I think it was the prosecuting attorney who said, rape can even be thought. Rape can be spoken. Rape is rape. And I said, no, 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 no. You're right. Rape is rape, but rape is rape. Like there's 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 a I, I get it, I understand, you can make somebody feel icky, but rape is still rape when it comes to actually prosecuting mm-hmm. you know we have to have checks and balances in this country well i mean that's the difference between you know
2: rape and sexual harassment right. i guess you would say so and, i mean he was accused of harassment going all right. the
0: way back to like the 90s yeah, with so, like you
2: know gwyneth paltrow but the two, and the around the, two, the time shakespeare
0: in love came out right so the one that i'm getting to though is that the two charges he actually picked up from the females it's it, this is where i get kind of like mm, i don't know there's 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 a lot of uh middle area so in october 2017 the new york times and the new york reported that dozens dozens of women accused harvey weinstein of rape sexual assault and sexual abuse over a period of at least 30 years now i'm not saying this dude's not a fucking creep so just hear me out now over 80 women in the film industry have since accused weinstein of such acts which i mean essentially they joked that he was the idea behind the casting couch in the adult film industry you know what i'm saying now criminal investigations into complaints from at least six women are ongoing in los angeles like right now new york city and london on may twenty fifth, 2018 weinstein was arrested in new york charged with rape and other offenses now on february 24th of 2020 so just a few days ago the jury found weinstein guilty of rape in the third degree and a criminal sexual act and not guilty on three accounts including two more serious charges of predatory sexual assault now here is my thing now i've got more info on that, and I'm just gonna skip right by it. Well, he's getting prison time, obviously, right. but they didn't hand him down conviction on the harshest right. charges. Exactly, entertainment. But the two, the two that he caught the charges from, and I'm not gonna, I, I don't, because of my opinion, because of how I feel about this. I'm not going to use their names because I'm still going to respect the victims because they are still victims in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. However, these women kept in contact with him via email. Whenever they needed an extra favor, they'd be like, oh, I miss you, how are you doing, da da, da. At some point, that is trading services for services. Yeah. Now, Matt Lauer having a special lock on his door and not letting women out until they do what he wanted, that's rape. Bill Cosby drugging women, regardless of whether or not they shouldn't be going to a fucking hotel with him at midnight. What do you, you think is going to happen? What do you think? I'm, I know, I know, I shouldn't say that, but even even Pamela Anderson said, "Bitches, what are you doing?" Okay. Now, my opinion on the Weinstein thing is these women kept in contact and continued to ask him for favors, continued to ask him for things, mm-hmm. and then still turned around and charged him. But if you're maintaining a normal social interaction with this mm-hmm. man, what the fuck is rape about it then? You are yeah. trading services for services. At that point, it's prostitution. All three of you go to jail. That's how I feel about that matter. Secondly, the fact that he picked up a conviction with no actual DNA proof, with no actual anything, and they still found a way to convict him based off of their testimony, just off of their testimony. So now anybody can tarnish anybody's record and I feel like it's opening up a can of worms. I'm not saying that the male dominant world doesn't need to be checked. I'm just saying maybe, maybe still do it in a proper, you know, Criminal court Mm -hmm. system fashion, not just through conjecture of somebody else. Like he made me feel this way. Well, nobody cares about your feelings. You you still pursued this. And the second opinion that is not popular is that maybe if every single person he actually tried this bullshit with stood up for themselves walked away from it and figured my talents are good enough to where I can get an acting job with another producer in another studio, this shit wouldn't have fucking happened in the first place. It's the person going into the situation and allowing it, allowing it to pursue the way that, to continue the way that it did. Mm -hmm. And I know, and I'll never be a female, and I'll never, I I understand these things. I am a straight white male in America. I won won the lottery. (laughs) I realize that, you know what I mean? A straight white male in America, if I was a fucking cop, I'd have a license to kill, I'm just kidding. But I understand that there's certain things that I will never understand. I'll never feel that pressure. I'll never be under that. However, I think that if there's a little bit more solidarity along the, you know, just amongst the female actresses in that realm and they all stood up together Mm -hmm. and not waited however many years and then Rose McGowan shaved her head and did a speech, I don't think that that's what it takes to get that to stop. I think having a little bit more self-confidence maybe or pride or not just understanding that well this is just a status quo it's been going on since fucking kennedy mm-hmm. you know i mean maybe if you just actually stood up together and didn't allow that to happen and check your weak friends and get everybody in order it wouldn't happen and then everybody would actually be based off of their talents and it wouldn't just be well i slept with them first so i got the role
3: well i think and i thought i was going to be like complete opposite of what you were saying but now that i i'm actually hearing it I mean the fact that there were some women that actually were like okay well if I do this I know I'm gonna get this so they already knew what they had to do is it considered rape at that point no you are basically being open to this you are putting yourself in that situation
2: it's almost like once Pandora's box is open you're like okay I got the desired result so maybe it's okay and you become more okay with it and so on and so forth which I guess does make it a form of prostitution yeah. to a degree, not a popular opinion, obviously. Right. But, um, right. but you know, then
3: what about the other women who, you know, did go through that and are trying to, you know, get them behind bars or whatever? Right. No, and it's no, like yeah. now now their statements, it's like, well, are you telling the truth? Because we have these uh, individuals over here who basically took advantage of that. Per and, se, and
0: and it is a total abuse of his position in the industry. Oh, yeah, it really definitely. is. I mean, he is he is by no mean, by no means am I trying to malign what these women have gone through. I no, mean, you're not justifying. I mean, you're but, just like
2: giving a, a, a different perspective about the dynamic, which. I mean, biggest thing for me is the fact that it's unfortunate that these have been the social norms for as long as right. they have. I wasn't aware that season two of Profiling Pain was going to be profiling sexual predators in <laughs> Hollywood, but it's still
0: profiling pain, it's I guess. This might turn so, into so, you know, a weird I mean, 2020 episode where the dude shows up with the cookies. I'm sitting there pigtails, like, gotcha, bitch. You know, you know? This is the most woke episode of uh, you know <laughs> Profiling Pain that ever has been. Well, I was looking up current events, and then I mm-hmm. was reading that article, and I was like, ah,
2: shit. Well, him just going around looking for sympathy. Walking around with the cane and all that right, stuff. Right. Yeah. Was no, just really well. Actually, a you know,
0: walker, if I remember correctly. Yeah. He's.
2: Yeah. He's. No. He's a scumbag. He deserves no, no, something. But I mean, women wouldn't be as willing and like acceptable. Or, right. Or just more okay with compromising their own just you know awesomeness and to to a degree. If I'm gonna just get really. <laughs> Right. New new century and new millennium and stuff about it and and it's sad that that has been a thing you know there's a horror movie called Starry Eyes and I'm a big fan of and it's about this woman who goes and is trying to you know get this part for this film and she in turn realizes that it's even beyond sexual favors that she needs to give to get the role it gets like demonic uh, cult crazy and stuff and that's obviously like you know the worst case scenario right, even right. beyond what anybody can imagine but I mean. It is a slippery slope, and those social norms—the fact that that has been the case for a long time—and it's not even just that. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, gay male sexual predators out there too. I mean, women of the same ilk. I mean, oh, yeah, everything yeah. like Kevin Spacey's and all all kinds of. It's not. It's not relegated to straight men right. in, in Hollywood. So that's the thing. I mean, this covers all areas, all bases, and it's just something to keep in mind. But it is un- unfortunate that,
0: you know, and boo 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 the men that knew that this was going on and didn't defend the women coming in hmm. you know that's another thing boo men so there was i was reading up and i don't know when i can't even tell you what movie set all i know is the outline of the story but dustin hoffman okay was on him was on him was on a film set and this is i mean way back when dustin hoffman okay and he was yeah. kind of flirting with this girl on set okay and she was actually giving an interview uh i think last year when this whole hashtag me too thing came out and uh And they were like so what happened she's like well you know we were kind of flirting back and forth and then he got like a little more into the flirting Mm -hmm. and then what happened well I asked him to stop and then what happened well he stopped why the fuck are we having this conversation right now so Dustin Hoffman did what he was supposed to do well yeah well then Dustin Hoffman's still America's sweetheart there's Mm -hmm. no he still played hook it's okay it's okay but I, I just feel like maybe maybe those two that were able to get the prosecution might not have been the best examples. Because I'm sure he did a lot of shady shit on the back end. And I'm sure if you follow his finances, I'm sure there's a lot of shady shit going on. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if a scumbag like this, and I, th- again, this is just me talking, so don't hold anything to it. But I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he knows some shit about, like, even a child sex ring, dude. You know what I mean? Because shit like that happens in Hollywood, too. I feel yeah. like... Because Corey Hines and Corey Feldman both had things to say, and it seems like they were silenced when they were trying to come out against a specific celebrity. not going to say their name because apparently people go down for that shit. It's almost like saying something about the Clintons. I didn't say that either. Well, I so, still haven't watched Finding Neverland for the fact that I... I
3: was I just, just going to mention that. I don't yeah. need to know
2: about this, man. You know? And right. art is art, and a person, horrible as they may be, I can still appreciate... The usual suspects in Kevin Spacey's performance, even right. though he's obviously a despicable mm-hmm. person who settles out of court when he tries to mess with underage boys. Brian Singer, you know, I mean, director of that damn movie. They're almost in cahoots with each
0: other right. to some degree. And then degree, so. uh, England, man, you guys, you guys had your own in uh, Jimmy Savile. Uh, that, that case broke out a few years ago. And if you've never looked into the Jimmy Savile case. I've heard the name, but I can't say any no, no. This dude was like such a celebrity he actually had keys to like the hospital of, like terminally ill children and would like show up and do things in the oh, middle God. of the night he was that kind of piece of shit and oh, it's, <laughs> it's dude yeah it's it's fucking i mean and it's been an ongoing thing and it's around the world vegas is bad for i guess a lot of mormon kids will actually run away from utah then they end up in child sex rings in fucking vegas is trying to change it it's bad it's bad so if nothing else i appreciate the fact that the hashtag me Too movement is bringing things of that nature to light I just think that there is also some ramifications that might be had if you're able to do it just based off of an accusation. I just would like to see a little bit of proof and validity to the things that are going on and maybe carried about in a different way, but something does have to happen. So I'm not, like I said, I'm not maligning anything that they've gone through. I just think that the process might get a little skewed. Well, and, and also I, not every accusation is you know, completely founded. I mean, right. look at people
2: who have had accusations who they either became nothing. Well, Danny which, Masterson. Who knows? Well, I mean, James Franco was another yeah. one, you know, after he did, uh, you know, Disaster Artist. And even, I'm, I'm not the big, uh, you know, like, screen junkies fan or anything like that, but this guy, he was a big, like, nerd sphere person online. Uh, yeah, he was, he was having an affair, you know, the, you know, the, and, uh, yeah, it was a fan of his, of his work and stuff and she accused him of rape and harassment and all this other stuff and then, later on messages came out you know text messages all this other stuff she was trying to hook up with him he like you know nipped it in the butt and broke off the affair and she in turn accused him of harassment and rape and all this different stuff and then telephone calls came out and text messages came out and all this different stuff saying that okay andy's a piece of shit he cheated on his wife but he didn't rape and harass this woman this woman was completely willing and so now he's working again and stuff i was never the biggest fan of him but he was demonized even though all i mean he was still a piece of shit for cheating on his wife but he wasn't as horrible as was being envisioned i mean these are very different levels of a piece of crap man you know so yeah something to keep in mind
3: we also have to think about i mean every situation is going to be different every case is going to you know have its different background but we also have to think about those victims who yeah they were you know raped or whatever, but they were probably threatened too. You know, right. it's like if you move forward and, you know, try to report me for this, well, I'm going to come back and I'm going to find you and I'm going to, you know, the do this and this and that. true That puts fear into the person. So it's like the cycle never ends. It's just going to continue to happen and happen right. because you're literally scared for your life.
0: Right. I mean, there are not just that, but there are a multitude of people in general who Don't even realize that they're being raped. Like How many cases of little boys getting molested by their female teachers came out in the last 10 years? It's ridiculous. And Those things run around when I was in high school. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's crazy. But then you also have the cases of like, I mean, the one thing about the, I'm I'm gonna keep saying the hashtag me too movie because that's what really paved the way for this is that more people are actually speaking out about it and actually giving other women, and I mean, everybody in general, courage to really say something. And that is that is the plus side. That it, I mean, because you can explain to your kids all day long: if somebody touches you, or somebody says something, you gotta tell me. You gotta tell something You gotta tell them it all. You know what I mean? But seeing that it's actually becoming a social norm for people to stand up for themselves and say something, like I said, this Weinstein thing—that's that's a totally isolated event that I'm complaining about. But when it came to Cosby, when it came to Lauer, when, you know what I mean? Like I'm 100%. Yeah, fucking prison time. Fuck these guys. And then all the other cases that have been swept under the rug over the years. I mean Rape kits that have gone untested. I'm not gonna say any names, like Sheriff Joe Arpaio, but there's just certain things that need to be done and done better. And I feel like, in a male, I mean, no matter how you sway, it's still a very male-dominated world. I think a movement like #MeToo will actually give women more of a voice and kind of cause men to step down a little bit and be like, "All right, all right, all right, you're right, you're fucking right." But then when you start complaining about wanting tax-free tampons, I don't know. That's when it gets weird. (laughs) So just pick your battles. Choose your hill to die on. That's all I'm saying. Now, well,
3: also c- culturally, too, because I come from a background of um, – my both of my parents are from Mexico, and I don't know if it's just – and it could be just something that is within the Mexican culture, but – parents don't really talk to their kids about things like that you know they'll get very (laughs) brief as you know when you start your period or when you're going through puberty but my parents never talked to me about like if someone touches you or if someone does this and this is what you need to do like there was never that openness of like me feeling comfortable enough to come up and speak about it so when the whole me too uh, thing came up I was like looking into it really like thinking about my background and I was like holy shit like hashtag me fucking too you, you know go. and it's like and i'm at the point where i'm an adult do i even bring it up to my family do i bring it up to my right. family because it, it did happen and within it, the it's, family yeah it's
0: crazy how many cases i hear that way and it's mm-hmm. like people who are really close to me even have stories about yeah. like brother's friends or and you're like what mm-hmm. the fuck why didn't you say it? and there's so much like i didn't think that i'd be heard and that's fucking terrible yeah. that is fucking terrible
3: i think culturally and just as a family, me as a mom who have, I right. have kids, I want my kids to be able to feel comfortable to talking about whatever it is. Right. And it all comes to the approach of the parent. It all, it just, it stems back to that. And I really hope that if anyone who's listening, who's going through that or went through that, at least if you can find someone that you can confide in to talk about it, because it is such a strong issue, especially for women, especially for children, just anyone in general mm-hmm. too, I mean, Man can be ripped too. So
0: I mean, just every once in a while, just ask your buddy. Anybody touch your butthole lately? Just make sure you're checking on your friends. <laughs> check your friends' rear ends. That's all we're saying. <laughs> if we can give you any advice, check your friends' rear ends.
2: Now I just have to echo very briefly as we segue. You know the fact that I had you know very straight laced you know white Christian parents. You know and yet they didn't even talk about the birds and the bees with me you know oh, wow. nothing like i i had no sex ed you know in grade school high school any of that it was like sex itself even like you know getting a boner for god's sake or whatever going through puberty you know that was all so taboo that I, my parents never talked to me once in my entire life about that you know sex anything you know maturing whatever so if they're not even going to talk about that they're not going to even like go near something like sexual abuse because if regular sex is such a taboo topic, they're not even going to touch with a 50 foot pole, sexual abuse of any sort and stuff. And there was something, you know, with some of the Greek relatives in my family that, you know, happened. And it was where like an older person, you know, with a younger person in the family, you know, it was an older boy with a younger boy. And it was, you know, it's, yeah. it is messed up, man. And you know, like, people visiting and stuff happens and it wasn't found out till way later. It was so messed up and, like, just the, the repressed wackiness that you hear from people so much later, it's insane to me. And it obviously puts people that you thought respectable in a completely
1: different light. Yeah, right. You know,
2: people that... That whole side of my family is, you know, dead from my yaya and we don't even see them anymore. They're all in California, various other areas of the country. But when... When I heard about that, when I was getting a little bit older, I was just like blown away, Mm -hmm. you know. Not mentioning names or like especially with your family being tied
0: so closely to the to the church and how mm -hmm. how invested you. I mean, those Greek Orthodox man, goddamn sickos. And not just just that, but I mean, (laughs) your father and your brothers, like your one brother, even works at a Christian university. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, with extended
2: family, obviously, Mm -hmm. but nonetheless, I mean, just hearing about this from my father's side of the family, it was like it's crazy.
1: So,
0: So. and more localized news. uh, In Phoenix, actually, Phoenix, Arizona, the city council approved civilian oversight on the Phoenix police that combines a new city agency and a community review board that will have the power to investigate complaints against police, recommend policy changes directly to the police chief and set up community outreach. Not sure if you guys understand what that means. What that means now is that we John can. Q. Public can now tell the officers that defend said John Q. Public how to do their fucking job. So we're profiling our police officers. We now hold our officers accountable for the stupid shit that our own public do. So now it's like, okay, so how did you do your job? I mean, And what actually brought that to light is the fact that in Arizona, um, so we have our representative, uh, a proposal from our council member carlos garcia okay so it was a five to four vote that actually had our our, our council agreed to this uh so an office of accountability and transparency comprised of city staff and a community review board that will recommend changes to agency and conduct community forms now when they did that the audience lost their mind people that were actually there to see the vote lost their mind they were all super excited for it and i'm not 100 percent on board with this so what it really boils down to is that in the last couple years, we've had, I believe it was 48 total um, police-involved shootings, mm-hmm. okay? which I guess is a pretty high number for Arizona. I mean, it's, it has been on an uptick, I will say that. Yeah. So, sorry, 44 officer-involved shootings, and that was just in 2018 alone, and that was higher than those in Los Angeles and New York with much larger populations. Now, the thing about Phoenix is that it's constantly growing constantly growing okay so we got people coming in coming out it's almost starting to be a transit city much like la and new york is we're, we're turning into that businesses are popping up right and left larger companies are coming in we're getting i mean there's going to be an entire tech city built in avondale soon about from that. microsoft like yeah. bill gates is building an entire we're getting a lot of different things and a lot of people are coming mm-hmm. here and when you get such a diverse community more people and more shitheads are going to lose their minds and you have to remember that police officers are just normal shitheads like the rest of us that take on a higher responsibility, but they go through so much training. They go through so much, I mean, psychology. Anytime they pull their weapon, they get on a shrink's couch and have to explain what they went through and how they felt during that. It's not an easy decision for any of them to make. And now we're using something like just money. Money. We're, we're even going to discuss what to do with their $4.6 billion budget, $720 million of which is allocated to the police department itself. In addition to reports shows police settlements reach $26 million in settling all these things. We're discussing how to handle their money. And I don't know if that's actually going to be where it gets to the point where we even control part of their pension i don't know how far they're going to go with it but to sit there and take the regular public and make the public accountable for the police who are technically accountable for the public just seems like we're kind of making our way into troubled waters
2: is that too like circular you know, for you Not right i'm of- just <laughs> saying
0: how how soon before you call the police for something, and they recognize the name on the dispatch, and they don't want to help you because you're the last person to file a complaint, and to file a grievance. Oh wow! You know what I'm saying? Like, how long before response times lessen? Would certain they have area? access
2: to something like that, though? I wonder. I don't necessarily. I don't think so. Think so no. I don't
0: think so. But that's a Big Brother kind of scenario, yeah, I
2: would imagine. But, but I'm I mean, so, you know, but not to be critical, much- but I mean, you know, something as as, as far as the more quick draw mentality. My mother did uh, over 30 years with the police. Okay, so she was initially in organized crime, but she was like a a desk woman, secretary kind of thing. And then she segued into parking enforcement, which obviously doesn't deal with real crime. You know, she put boots on cars and wrote parking tickets and stuff like that. But the one thing at the various stations that she was at uh, that she observed is that, um, you know, with the fight for equality, obviously, for allowing just about anybody and and we're not talking gender or skin color or anything like that she honestly attributed it more so and this is just my mother's personal thinking but I feel like there's a correlation to it Um, she said that there was a lot of physicality restrictions that were pulled back a little bit and lifted you know when it came to new officers and stuff like that and she said that really more so than anything older more brutish physical officers were more inclined to attempt to subdue uh, assailant, a suspect, whatever, as opposed to just draw and shoot. They attempted to disarm more often. They attempted to, you know, just actually wrestle down whatever. And yet, that still comes in the wake of the fact that one of my dad's best friends in the early '90s, the Taco Bell on 11th Avenue and uh, Camelback, that used to be there mm-hmm. now it's like a check casting place or yeah. whatever. He was shot and nearly killed. Al Dirks, you know, my, one of my dad's best friends. You know, when he was still training dogs for uh, Phoenix PD K9. And so my mom essentially thought that. When some of those restrictions were lifted and kind of lessened, there was more of a quick draw mentality.. Right. And for that sheer fact, you know, as opposed to subduing, they were pulling guns and shooting, you know suspects, assailants, whatever more quickly. And hence she made the correlation that that's why numbers have risen. I don't know how much truth there might be to that. Well, I haven't seen any also- core data and facts to back it up, but that was at least her. Over 30 years in the department, lots of other, you know, older, more old-school officers going back to the 70s, 80s, and 90s that she was acquainted with. Right. That was there. That, that's what they ascertained. So. Like
0: we covered in the last episode, though, Arizona is an open carry state. It is. You never yeah. know. You never know who is mm-hmm. carrying a firearm and who yeah. isn't. And if I was an officer and you can
2: still get a concealed carry permit,
0: but right. you can just—it's a wild, I'll,
2: wild west, man. You can just go around and yeah. you know, slugger well, it's like right on that, your the waist, only thing man. That
0: your CCW does now is actually. Uh, they don't have to wait for the FBI or the the ATF yeah. uh, to respond to their background check. You're you're just solid. You're, Do you still you're work through. the gun shows? Um, I haven't in a while, but uh, I mean, every time I see the billboard, I'm, Tucson, I'm yeah. like always wondering if he, yeah. yeah. No, I've been I've been working a lot more Saturdays in my normal job. So anyway, that's the current events. That's the world. That's America, and that is centralized Phoenix. So I figured I would, I'd go the whole the whole thing. Appearing oh, in the Wild on. Wild West, everybody. And, uh, this is
2: profiling different sorts of things. Right. And we and we have twenty twenty. I haven't even
0: touched on the case yet, but you guys have gone so long without hearing our voices. I just I just didn't want to disappoint you. So, <laughs> anyway, so we're gonna do this one right, Cracking covering a zero calorie energy drink. Right. Exactly. Oh. So, <laughs> starting off the childhood of uh, Theodore Bundy is going to be Rocio. She's going to do her thing. Me and Fuego are going to do our thing. And hopefully you guys enjoy. And uh, so here we go, guys. Which is an ironic correlation with the fact that guys like Bill Cosby
2: and even Weinstein, you know, they were kind of womanizers in their mm-hmm. own regard. Although Ted Bundy was notoriously handsome. Mm-hmm. And right. not only that, but persuasive. And that's how he lured in his prey, so to speak. So, uh manipulative. Yeah, so Rocio, take go, it
0: guys. away. Season 2, Episode 1.
3: So, this charismatic serial killer asshole, Ted Bundy, (laughs) we'll do a quick little um, kind of summary here. Uh, So, Ted Bundy murdered numerous of young women across the United States between 1974 and 1978. He escaped from prison twice before his final apprehension in February of 1978. After more than a decade of vigorous denials, he eventually confessed to 30 murders, although the actual number of victims still remains unknown. It could be an estimate from the 30 to 100. Who knows? Um, Typically, Bundy would beat his victims and strangle them to death. He also engaged in rape and necrophilia.
0: Which is right along the lines of the Hillside Stranglers, which is another case that we covered. Mm-hmm. And there's something to be said. So there's two types of killers as we covered last season. There is process and then there's product. Now we had a product killer that we covered this is before you we on the show, so I hate to bring up bullshit. <laughs> but Richard Chase was a product killer. He wanted the blood. But then the Hillside Stranglers were process killers. They enjoyed the process. So yeah. based off of our previous education, boys and girls if we're going to start with the profiling process, Ted Bunny, by all accounts, is a process killer.
3: He sure is. Um, so just to kind of go over his to kind of go over his um, birth information, mom is Eleanor Cowell who gave birth to Ted on November twenty-fourth, 1974, or sorry 78, in Burlington, Vermont, at the Elizabeth Lund home for unwed mothers. Till this day, it's still a mystery of who the dad um, is. There's prediction that it could be a man late, named Lloyd Marshall or also Jack Worthington. But then there's also word that it could have been the mom's father right. um, since there mm. was a lot of alleged um, mm-hmm. abuse in the family. So because of that... Um, it's
2: been linked to a lot of mental illness. Right. And, and, yeah, and in Bundy, in Bundy himself yeah.
0: actually stated that you know oh my my childhood was normal blah, blah. but he said that with his uh who he thought was his father at first Mm -hmm. right but was his grandfather he Mm -hmm. actually said that there was no 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 more no abnormalities you know i mean he was a little grumpy sometimes but everything was fine like he was pure denial
3: right pure denial this man abused not only i mean his daughter but just other uh people in the family i think there was like a case where he through a relative down the stairs, things like that. Jesus. Um, So because of the whole social stigma, Bundy's maternal grandparents, Samuel and Eleanor Cowell, claimed that he was his son. Right. So basically he grew up believing that his biological mother was actually his older sister.
0: And the only reason that they even went that route is because uh, his mother had actually put him... She was in a home for unwed mothers at first. Mm -hmm. And she actually... uh, Contemplated putting him up for adoption. He spent oh. two months in there before uh, her father and her mother were like, will raise the kid." Oh, okay. That's what brought him home.
3: Okay. Uh, let's see. So he actually didn't find out that he um, he grew up believing that his mom was his older sister. He actually didn't find out until about his early twenties. When he actually went back to burlington vermont to visit family and that's where he located records to show that actually my sister's been my mom this entire time
0: right and on the birth certificate it actually said father unknown mm-hmm. and so his girlfriend at the time uh ann rule actually wrote a book and uh she was talking yes. about ted bundy and and when they were discussing she was interviewing his girlfriend at the time and she said you know it's crazy because ted once told me you know, she goes when did you kind of finally Understand? He goes, well, maybe I just figured it out. Uh, there couldn't be a 20-year difference in age between a brother and a sister. And Luis always took care of me. I just grew up knowing that she was really my mother. And he... Yes. But there's other speculation that says he didn't figure it out till so college, which created the anger. He, yep. he or he figured it out too early, which created the anger. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of there's, I mean, and unfortunately, even if you listen to Ted Bunny tapes, there's absolutely no straight answer ever, which we were discussing prior to recording. Yes. That it's so hard to fact check because it's so sporadic, so many mm-hmm. different authors, so many different everything. Yes. So. Uh,
3: so when Ted was around five years old, Eleanor um, and Ted moved to Washington, where uh she met Johnny Bundy and they later later married uh Ted's mother and stepfather ended up having four other children uh but they seemed to neglect Bundy pretty much and he was kind of like the babysitter of the kids kind of watching over them um There's like statements showing that um, the stepfather tried to engage with him and like take him out, you know, fishing and just hanging out with him. But it was just the complete opposite when, you know, interviewers would ask Ted about his relationship with his stepfather and just saying that, you know, he was neglected the entire time and didn't feel like he was part of the family.
0: And that he actually ended up getting the last name Bundy from him when he chose to adopt him. And so right when right when they moved. Um, he started showing signs of bad behavior, which mm-hmm. depending on which source you go to they'll tell you yes tell you know, but even as a toddler uh, His aunt actually said one time that she woke up to find her toddler nephew placing knives near her sleeping form mm-hmm. She later told Vanity Fair I remember thinking at the time that I was the only one who thought it was strange, but nobody did anything yeah. and It's just there's a lot of little ins and outs in and outs um, he was abusive to animals. The whole thing. there's signs of him having the McDonald Triad, and then there's signs of him just being a normal kid.
3: Exactly. So it's
0: so hard yeah. to really. really it is really it
3: hard because I think even as a young, as a young child, he kind of knew how to manipulate people and just kind of. And that's one thing that I learned too with through his interviews is that he caters he tailors to his audience. Right. So if he's speaking with someone who is anti pornography, he's gonna say, Oh, this all happened because I had a stash of porn, you know, in my basement and that's how this all kind of unraveled right. the smartest so,
2: ones always tailor their message and their yeah. approach and, that and everything. Is just I mean signs. it's just a intuition mm-hmm. and that's a sign of Pure not, ins- But but yet not necessarily insanity. Mm. That's a sign of like a calculated just intelligence that's where true. you can just, I mean, you and I talked about this on, on previous cases on the show and the fact that, okay, if you can cognizantly alter your approach to that right. degree deliberately, that doesn't, I mean, that's a different sort of craziness, but it's not
0: like just all out mania. You know? Right, kind of so, like when Kenneth Bianchi read the book Sybil before trying to claim multiple personalities disorder. Exactly, in court. exactly. <laughs> He's like, "Oh man,
2: I, I'm going to give this a shot, man."
3: Um, and then also, you know, while he was, you know, going to school, he was actually, again, very smart, very bright student. Um, He was involved in his church, serving as the vice president for the Methodist Youth Fellowship. He was also involved in the local troop of Boy Scouts of America. So that kind of tells you something, too. Yeah, Um, no more Boy Scouts.
2: Sorry, guys. (laughs) But he, (laughs)
3: he made it seem like he lacked relationship with his peers, which is funny because when these peers were interviewed, they would always say that, oh, he was such a... You know, nice person, very outgoing, and he would say the complete opposite about hmm. it.
2: Well, I mean, it's almost like he was probably trying to seek validation from other people and yet felt unfulfilled because he was so messed up inside. Well, and so.
0: a lot of times around that time, he would have, uh, he actually described it as having weird fantasies when it came to his stepfather. So not only is he acting out in school, claiming to be antisocial, claiming all these things, and, and going back and forth. But right here, I got this thing that says that he actually fantasized about being adopted by the popular Western star Roy Rogers and Dell Evans. Because <laughs> oh. they could give him the things that he always wanted.
3: Mm-hmm. Like So
0: that's kind of where he bases it. So already as a child, you're kind of seeing signs of him living more in a fantasy world and kind of manipulating his world around him to suit him. Even if it is only you know validation to him.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and those can be baby steps and initial indications, though. It's like if you're living in a fantasy world you're probably not going to envision actual consequences of the horrible wrongdoing that you may eventually perpetuate because it's all fantasy. It's all imaginary. I'm I'm living in this world that's not grounded within reality. Right. Much like
0: Albert Fish, I mean, BTK, all these different, you know, the Golden State Killer, all these people. Yeah, this isn't real. It starts Mm -hmm. off fantasy and then it ends up turning into little allowances you give yourself and then it becomes an addiction. Then there's the escalation and then there's, they call the berserker mode where they do most of their killings in one shot, which ted bundy has a hell of a fucking berserker mode later Hmm. and it's all about the little allowances that they give themselves and it starts at a young age the thing that i'm i don't mean to cut you off for too long but the thing that i never found in any of ted bundy's profiles is i never found anything saying anything about any head trauma as a child
3: he didn't actually that's
0: that's what threw me for a loop Mm -hmm. because every other case i've covered there's been some form of head trauma Hmm. and he had none reported no hospital visits nothing so So maybe it was the inbreeding then
2: people theorized about i don't know
3: genetics can definitely be a factor because um i read somewhere that um they talked about nurture versus nature nature which we've had this conversation oh countless times and there's this they did an autopsy of ted's brain and discovered that of course there's no sign of trauma However, later research showed that there was an MAOA gene, which I don't remember what that actually stands for, uh, concluded that he might have been a victim. And basically what it is, is that the thing that Ted experienced growing up along with the gene deficiency could have been a sign that, you know, what caused his murderous tendencies. Huh. So.
0: So bad blood.
3: Bad blood. Yeah. yeah. So, it's bad so back blood. to the genetic, wow. like you were talking exactly. about. Exactly. Yeah. Wow.
2: Okay. Well, I mean, hell, perhaps that's the most, <laughs> I mean, likely... Mm-hmm. Damn it, yeah. Ind- I mean, yeah, in- indicator, you know, something you could track back, whatever the hell it may be. But, uh, yeah.
3: Yeah, so growing up, he, um, as a teenager, got into shoplifting, uh, becoming basically an amateur criminal. Minor allowances, um, yeah. He showed an unusual interest in knives, like how you were talking mm-hmm. about, the whole knives with the family member. And he place them strategically so that if the person were to move, obviously they'd be injured, and he just would laugh and smile the entire he time. He was just ahead
0: of his time, and he couldn't buy swords, so he used the knives mm-hmm. to give them the crown, the Game of Thrones fucking <laughs> throne, okay? That's all that was. You guys are just looking past his artistic childhood. Also,
2: there is a, a knife thrown in <laughs> Knives Out, which is a terrific movie. I, <laughs> I recommend everybody watch Ryan Johnson's Knives Out if you want to profile a potential killer and find out who did it.
3: So in 1971, he took a work study job at Seattle Suicide Hotline Crisis Center, where oh he my worked close with former Seattle police officer and future crime writer Anne Rule, which you mentioned right. previously. So Anne went about writing about um, Ted's biography, and she stated in her book that Ted always seemed very sympathetic during those phone conversations and just trying to really be that caring individual to not get this person to obviously commit suicide but you kind of like wonder like i wonder if like in the back of his head he actually was like trying to push him to actually do it you know and it just i thought that was pretty interesting and um playing
2: to your audience like you guys are saying mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. i mean maybe you just slip in a little thing i mean with the utmost intelligence Mm -hmm. that might Push them closer to the edge well, without them necessarily realizing it. And not just being that. But of no, no. It.
0: I mean, the superior superiority complex that he obviously had. Yeah, maybe it's, one gonna, like, maybe it's one of those things where he's like, you, you know have a what? superiority complex. I saved so many fucking lives today. Don't even, you don't even know. You don't even know. All right. Yeah. I say, I, I this man was about to jump and I talked him out of it. That's how powerful I am in persuasion.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I
0: convince people to keep their lives. That I'll probably yeah. take later, but neither here nor there.
2: Well, and that's the difference between people who pursue that sort of stuff, you know, with a sense of compassion versus a sense of perhaps arrogance, Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, I mean, they're like, my insight is so indelible and incomparable that I should be the one trying to advise as opposed to, you know, anybody else and, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, experience and you know, training and all these other things factor in, obviously, as they should. But non- right. non- nonetheless, it's not, I mean, it's not
0: unlike people now. What, what the hell is that called? When it's called something, and I cannot remember what it's called. When like something bad's happening in the world, and then you get on like your Twitter muscles, you get on your Facebook <laughs> muscles, and you're like, "Hey, that's a bad thing." I feel better having said it. You know what I mean? It's called. It's called something. Fuck! What is it called?
3: Well, everyone does it. I right, it's but it's so, like, hey, yeah.
0: you know what's going on right now in in England? That's bad, and I don't support it. But I will put a French flag over my face on my Facebook. Welcome France. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. I can't remember what the hell that's called. I can't
2: recall either. But I'm I'm just remembering everybody altering their profile pictures. I do this every hilarious. episode. Every yeah, episode, yeah, episode I'm like, of things. that's a thing. Well, I mean, yeah, every It's an aspect of like. Damn it. I mean, would you describe it as empathy, Rosie? But, yeah, I don't, but, it's, but it's I mean, cold. it's like a less, in, less sincere aspect of it, you know, and kind of, I don't,
0: yeah. It's called being dumb. All right, go ahead.
2: No, no, no. There's a specific <laughs> phrase that you're searching for here. Right. I'm, I'm well aware, but it's eluding all of us, regrettably, so.
3: Well, and back to what he was, what, um, Chris was saying with um, the whole social media, it's like, it's, almost like a a waterfall effect where you see one person doing it they're getting all this attention about it and then they go on and they you know repost or they have their own little thing that they um are going to say about it so but yeah
2: well and you'll feel left out if you don't jump on the compassion train you know because then people could potentially ridicule you for being Mm -hmm. incompassionate or insensitive or whatever you know even if maybe you don't really care you feel the societal pressure to at least you know Say face and show that or you care yeah.
0: <laughs> the one thing we haven't touched on maybe which I'm not going to put any stock into this but just maybe he did this because he's like I am a good person on the inside I am a good person on the inside I am a good person on the inside he's trying
2: to convince himself trying to fight against his like evil the internal struggle he's gone, the, the yeah, he's gone struggle. from
0: his adolescence into his you know early early manhood now knowing being fully aware of what he is mm-hmm. Which he completely comes into later.
3: Well, he's stupid fucking smart. He right. had two girlfriends between this whole trial situation. And you think, one, they would kind of catch up on some of these things. Which one did. Right. And did um, report him three times. Three fucking times. Which
0: we will cover in the police episode of this.
3: <laughs> but back to that. Um, he, he never wanted to... You know, kill his girl, his two girlfriends that he had at the time. Why? Right. Because you know, if if they died, then they knew, oh well, this person was dating her, right. Where is this guy? So he knew that it was gonna kind of come back to him and he was gonna be caught. So that's why he basically went on this killing spree of people that he never knew, people he's never met, just random people, most of them were at nighttime except for maybe like two or a couple, I don't well. know but it was just i mean this guy's stupid smart yeah he knew what he was doing and he had a plan all along and he knew how to do it moving on (laughs) so bundy graduated from the university of washington with a degree in psychology Shocker. in 1972 he was later accepted into law school in utah but never got to finish his degree uh, while studying in Washington, Bundy fell in love with a wealthy, pretty woman from California. She had everything he ever wanted in life, just as we talked about earlier: money, class, influence, and a really,
0: really long neck. Because Bundy had big hands.
3: <laughs> and he he says that he said that he never had a type, but I think he obviously does. This girl was had long, dark hair, parted her hair right. in the middle. And if you look at some of these other victims, they looked pretty identical, whether, right. but he always said that that was, that was nothing.
0: Because if nothing else, he is not a misogynist and he does not have a type. <laughs>
3: uh, Ted later t- later on met uh, Elizabeth Cochler, and they started dating and living together. They constantly talked about marriage while on a business trip to California in the summer of 1973, Bundy came into, sorry, uh, Bundy came into, uh, he ran into his ex-girlfriend, Stephanie Brooks, um, which she kind of was digging him at the time because he kind of changed his life around, was a law student, was very popular, had a good attitude uh was he just she just basically took him a lot more seriously than he did before looked at him as a professional if
2: only she had known my lord
3: (laughs) (laughs) um so they courted for a while and later that year she just stopped hearing from him um later on once she kind of got in in touch with him um she was she basically said you know i haven't heard from you what's going on and he just said nothing i just didn't want to talk and that was kind of like his revenge to the whole breakup that initially happened right
0: and still also being able to manipulate the situation exactly. to where he
2: wants it. well i mean to be fair haven't like to men and women been doing that since the, i mean probably the, the beginning of like organized <laughs> modern society though like, it's like you dumped me, but look how much better I'm doing now, girl. Right. Don't you want this? You know, so on and so forth. Six it's not, months. we I mean, are new, new me, motherfucker. Yeah, it's it's a very passive-aggressive mentality, but if, if you have ever felt shunned, and this is me in no way condoning, this is him obviously playing head games and him, you know, inflicting psychological warfare. And back then, it's like, yeah, I mean, you had to either send somebody a letter or somehow catch them on the phone. It's not like you're instant messaging or or whatever. So, I mean, just the delays within communication would obviously make people probably fester more and just be that... That much uh, more conflicted and upset right. and everything about being shunned and, you know, well, and to being given in, the cold shoulder. For so,
0: Ted Bundy specifically, to tie into about how— it's also more
2: plausible than ability too. Right.
0: <laughs> but to tie into how he was towards females, he actually said in an interview that it wasn't that I disliked women or were afraid of them. It was just that I didn't seem to have an inkling as to what to do about them. Mm. And boy, did he figure it out later. Oh, boy. So Bundy, he he was very. So going back to his childhood a little bit, um, there was a lot of moments of normality outside of the bastard. I mean, the whole thing that he went through, yeah. and the feeling of illegitimacy and the stepfather and else like that. He actually had a few really good friends. He actually took jobs like delivering newspapers kind of. Like, he was beaver cleaver when he was mm-hmm. younger. He really tried to give off that vibe, so much so that he even, uh, for being a future killer, he even saved the life of a friend's niece when she was at risk of drowning. Like he jumped in the water and saved a child's life. You know, he might have had violent tendencies and began breaking a lot of deals like that. But at the same time, they got blamed on him just having social awkwardness. Now, when he was in the Boy Scouts, he was actually in like the Methodist Church, Youth of America. Like, he did a lot of really, really notable things as a child. But it seems like nothing ever, ever just pleased him. So, as he started acting out a few times here, just a couple examples I want to give before we go any further. He used to do this thing that he called uh, tiger traps. Did you read up on any of those? I didn't. No. So he actually ended up having a couple girls fall into a hole that he had built that he called his tiger traps. And one of them hurt their leg really bad. Mm-hmm. And he would actually like mess with them while they were in the hole. Like oh starting gosh. at a young age, right? Like you know, you think childhood like fun yeah. with the mess with your friends, but he was like being really lewd about it. And at the same time he was setting these tiger traps and catching the girls on the street and stuff like that. He actually started reading detective fiction stories, specifically ones filled with gore and rape and things of that nature. Yeah, so you so can see get an escalation ideas the for young what you want to do yes.
2: a, you know attempt and such.
0: Wow.
1: Okay. Right. Great, so he, yeah. He,
0: so there was little bits of escalation here and stopping. And when he was younger he also did have a few run-ins with the police because he was a peeping Tom. He actually got caught a few times as a child peeking in through neighbor's windows and things like that. So yeah. it started at a young age. Yeah. He was just able to cover it well as he started getting yeah. older. Hmm. Yeah.
2: No when it starts at a young age, though, those desires tend to fester mm-hmm. and
0: slowly like grow. Like I said, and then and it boils down to those allowances that you give yourself and the hmm. fantasies that follow through and how much you let yourself run wild with it. And this motherfucker got wild. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> Scary, stuff. Scary stuff. So... We got up to Ted Bunny's college days. Do you do you have the uh, the first murder? I we do want to give you the first MO, the first true murder. First murder. How old was he
2: when he committed his first murder? It was when he was in college.
0: Okay. Now, here's the other
2: and thing. So, and so this was... Uh, was he still in the Seattle area, or was he... Where was he exactly? You mean that was he somewhere along the west coast?
1: West coast? Yeah.
0: Which one? When he went to. Uh, We're
2: losing da- ratings. We're losing yeah. Anyway, so here we'll start. We'll start from here, and I'll
0: work my way forward. So now, there's hmm. the speculation that Bunny may have actually killed his first victim when he was 14. Okay. okay. Now, Bunny's first known victim was killed in 1974. Ah, oh, there it is. But he's suspected of earlier killings. Now, one Mm. possible Bundy victim was actually 8-year-old Anne Marie Burr, who disappeared from her Tacoma home in the middle of the night of August thirty-first, 1961. Now, his first murder was said to have happened in 1974. This is 1960. This is 13 years prior. Okay, so how old would you have been then? This is 14-year-old Bundy okay Okay. Mm -hmm. now at the time a 14 year old bunny lived just a few miles from the burr household it's possible he'd been spying on people's homes that night like he had been anyway and spotted an opportunity uh for his violent predilections couldn't pass up okay now among the few clues left at the burr home were an open window a footprint and an unlocked front door now Anne marie's parents and sister were in the house when she vanished and it's not it's not uncommon for Bunny to be a little bit brazen when he enters somewhere, okay? Now, likewise, some of Bundy's confirmed victims were taken while others were also nearby, like we just discussed. Now, Anne's Marie, Anne-Marie's mother felt it was likely her daughter had known her abductor. Now, Bundy may not have met Anne-Marie on his paper route, or while visiting an uncle who lived in the neighborhood, Bundy actually ended up denying that he was responsible for Anne-Marie's disappearance, and he, you know, he confessed, didn't confess, confessed, didn't confess a lot to his career. Now, including when Anne Ray's mother wrote to him asking for closure before his execution, which I'm not going to give you the date on that because that's going to be further episodes. Mm -hmm. Now, yet, Bundy who'd hinted there were more victims than he'd been officially linked to, he could have been reluctant to admit to a crime that took place while he was still living with his family. Um, Some people did that. We know that when Kenneth Bianchi um, got asked about the two young girls at 12. Yeah, I was going to say. because He I mean, kind of avoided that. He didn't want to talk about that. And as we covered in The Alphabet Killer, he seemed as though it matched everything that he would do. But he just he's, he seemed to act really strange when it came to the young ones. So I think maybe this first stroke, especially being with his family and maybe not wanting to tarnish his family's name at such a young age, like yeah. he did this on his own when he was later on his own predilection as he was mm-hmm. gone from the nest. Yeah, it's like, As you opposed know, to tarnishing his family. And maybe that's out of fear of his grandfather or fear of his stepfather, however that might have been.
2: Perhaps, but I mean, if you're incarcerated, if you're, you know, all, all this different stuff, I mean, the difference being that there is so much more of a stigma in killing children and so on. And also, I mean, if he's like, I mean, some, some guys don't want to admit to their shortcomings when, you
0: know, they weren't right.
2: professional killers just yet or whatever the hell mm. sick thing you want to distinguish it as. So,
0: You know, and the crazy part is is that in 2011, they actually tried to get a whole kit together in order for them to uh, actually test to mm. see if, if Bundy had been responsible. But there wasn't enough DNA evidence to actually truly, truly prove it. I was going to say yeah. tracing that far back. Right. I mean, yeah, like very little likelihood. So... So back to him being in college. Now, he began a relationship with his fellow university okay. student, Stephanie Brooks, that we mm-hmm. covered. Now, he met while well enrolled at U- University of Washington in 1967, and he followed her uh, 1968 graduation and returned to her family home in California. She's gone. Now, she ended the relationship fed up with what she described as Bunny's immaturity and lack of ambition. So when she came back into contact with him, that's when he decided to blow her off. Because mm-hmm. look how good I'm doing now. I'm strutting, mm-hmm. bitch. Now <laughs> Bundy decided to pay a visit to his birthplace, Burlington, Vermont. Now there, according to Rule and Rule, he visited the local records clerk and finally uncovered the truth of his parentage. Now that's one mm-hmm. idea of mm-hmm. how he found out. Now after his discovery, according to Ann Rule. Bundy became a more focused and dominant person, and in 1968, he managed the Seattle office of Nelson Rockefeller's presidential campaign and attended the 1968 Republican Convention in Miami, Florida as a Rockefeller supporter. Now, he re-enrolled at University of Washington this time with a major in psychology, as you you covered. Mm -hmm. Um, Bundy became an honor student, even, like all throughout his, his school days, he never really was like an academic, but he maintained, he was like a C plus right. C hour student. Hmm. Now he became an honor student and was well liked by his professors. Like he became a teacher's pet. And in 1969 is when he started dating Elizabeth Clover, a divorce secretary with a daughter. I don't mm-hmm. know if you mentioned the daughter okay. who fell deeply in the okay. So they would continue to date for about six years until he went to prison for kidnapping in 1976. Now Bunny graduated in 1972 from university of Washington with a degree in psychology. Very interesting
2: going for the damaged one though, you know. Right. I mean, you know, failed marriage, child, all this different stuff. I mean, that's a very, I mean, in his case, maybe psychological, like a very decisive and deliberate sort of sort of move to make. No,
0: he had obviously an addiction to some form of power or being by powerful people, because right after he graduated, he actually went to work for state Republican, the state Republican Party again, which included a close relationship with Governor Daniel J. Evans at the time. Mm-hmm. Now, Democratic opponent around the state, you know, tape recording his speeches and reporting back at Evans personally. A minor scandal later followed when the Democrats found out that about Ted Bundy, who had actually been posing as a college student and going to all their things and letting, like, uh, Evans know what was going on. It, he got in trouble a little bit, but I mean, nothing they could really do. Now, fall of 1973, Bundy enrolled in the law school at the University of Utah, mm-hmm. but he did poorly he began skipping classes finally dropping out in the spring of 1974 which lines right up with when the first murder was said to have happened
2: so his attention was waning his mind was on other things desires impulses whatever
0: correct so he got back in contact with his little ex and then immediately dumped her again in 1974 which is right around the time All the things really started happening. And I I sent everything and I felt like I got caught. So uh, I got all the murders here, all the victims here. So we'll get to the first true victim. Okay. So the first victim they're saying that he had was actually an unknown hitchhiker. uh, Tom Waiter in Washington area. Okay. Confessed to Bob Keppel before Bunny's execution now remains found or no remains found. So they don't even know if that was a true one or if he's just like, yeah, this, this happened. So he's just kind of throwing things out there. Mm-hmm. So it, you'll find out that through his entire case, he just kind of started throwing things at the wall. As Rocio was telling me earlier, actually just trying to prolong his, uh, his execution, execution time, date, yeah. he would actually, she was, she was telling me that as he's being walked down death row, he kind of floated something out and yeah. then they pulled him back mm-hmm. from execution just to go find out whether or not this yeah. is
1: true
3: this is what he did towards the end just to buy himself more time was just kind of confess or say hey I have this information you know I'm going to confess to these murders and so they would bring in the families and they do all these interviews and stuff and yeah, the very last one was right when he was walking to be executed and they pulled him back just to get his statement on it.
0: And the thing about Bundy is that no one knows exactly where or when Bundy's killings really began. Now many mm-hmm. Bundy experts, including Rule and even former King County Detective Robert D. Keppel, who we're going to cover pretty extensively on the, like I said, the police episode, believe that Bundy may have actually started killing as far back as his early teens as we covered when he was 14 mm-hmm. years old. Now, the one that they do know for a fact, the first one, okay? is shortly after midnight on January 4th, 1974, Bundy entered the basement bedroom of 18-year-old Joni Lenz, okay? That's the pseudonym. Uh, A dancer and student at the University of Washington. Now, Bundy bludgeoned her with a metal rod from her bed frame while she slept and then sexually assaulted her with a speculum, okay? Lenz was found the next morning by her roommates in a coma And lying in a pool of her own blood, she survived the attack but suffered permanent brain damage. So his first attempt that they know of did not result in in murder, which Mm. gives him a reason to escalate and try further. Hmm. So we're going to leave that as the first attempt. And then as we move (sighs) forward, he doesn't exactly fail anymore. There's a few mishaps here and there along the way. There's a few things he gets sloppy about. But it all gets very precise. He has his he has his process. And we're going to cover all of that on the next episode. We've gone through a lot of stuff.
2: Yeah, I'm just incredibly just, I guess, upset. And uh, yet, in some weird way, intrigued about the fact that he was so increasingly calculated with the death row stuff. You know, he's like, okay... Buy myself more time right and he he was obviously doing research to some degree about unsolved cases, Mm -hmm. you know And he's like, okay, if I cast my line out there and imply that maybe I was responsible for this You know, I'll get some more time and so on and so forth I mean that just shows that's not somebody who is legally insane That's somebody who is much scarier in my estimation because they are capable and aware and that's that's even scarier for me. Man. And not just that, but not yeah.
0: only is he that intelligent, he also gets more brazen. Huh. He his abductions and anything else that he does become more and more just. He it's almost like he woke up with ten fucks, went to bed with ten fucks. No fucks were given that mm-hmm. day. He just comes in and <laughs> yeah. goes. No. So we're gonna. He's. I mean, he is a very, very, very. He is. Uh, what was that from a? Uh, 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 what the hell is that movie? Tropic Thunder. He's a rooster illusion. Is <laughs> this guy? This guy. He, he's yeah. Yeah, he's he's an enigma for sure, and unfortunately, oh. we'll never know the absolute truth. But in the meantime, um, you know our sources for this. We did a lot of uh, Murderpedia, we did a lot of Ann Rule. We did, I mean, God, we went through so many different sources. Uh, Rocio, I didn't research Scott, anything. So Fuego, there you go. Fuego <laughs> is definitely our reactionary. Fuego gets to experience it for the first time with you guys, Yeesh. which is great. It's great oh. to have that. So that's uh, a dynamic. It works. Rocio to yeah. Rocio had a shit ton of sources. I had a few extra sources, so that's why we kind of. Bounce back and forth. I'll try to be a little bit more organized next time. That's kind of my bad, because I was like, Rose, I got extra stuff. And she's like, all right, cool. So she's going through the story, and I'm like, oh, what about this? <laughs> so next time, we'll be a little bit more organized. However, thank you guys so much. I hope you enjoyed episode one of season two. Um, uh, as always, thank you to Age of Radio for letting us do this. Um, if you guys get a chance, go to Age of Radio, check out the Bazaar, listen to, I mean, God, there's so many, I mean... Uh, Color Me Dead. I can't even go through all the damn podcasts that they have. They have everything from true crime to sports to finance to, to just fitness podcasts. I mean, and then even some about fitness pizza in your mouth. You know what I'm saying? Like, they cover everything. <laughs> There's If you need it, they got it. Um, and coming soon, the uh, Keto Thirties podcast courtesy right. of us, that's as right. we
2: hinted at earlier. Right. Well,
0: actually, no. Maybe you'll get a little bonus taste of that at the end of this episode. Right. We're gonna we're gonna call the next one the Midlife Crisis Cast, is what we're gonna do. Oh, yeah. Early so, midlife crisis. Yeah, early. Cast. Come on, early. let's give
2: us a like. We guys right. used to live right. Fingers yeah. firmly crossed.
0: <laughs> Varicose vein with our voices. You know what I mean. So indeed. But thank you guys a lot. Um, as always, you guys can hit up Centertainment at gmail.com You can do profiling pain on Instagram. We do have the profiling pain podcast on facebook i mean it's all those titles just add the uh, the necessary ending to it and then uh, i've always it'll all be in the show notes so we always do the links you can find fuego at Jaime mean, Fuego,
2: spelled like Jamie, but pronounced like Jaime. So J A I M E E N F U E G O, and uh, yeah, it sounds like Bingo is his name. Oh no, it's Jaime Fuego, <laughs> and uh, you can find me on all social media sectors: Twitter, social. Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Uh, also on uh, youtubecom slash show channel. Covering imaginary scary
0: things, not real life shit like we just got done talking and about. I, I
2: prefer the imaginary man
0: because this stuff unsettles right. me. And if and when he actually keeps doing it, if you guys want cool movie reviews or just anything actually out in the entertainment world, check out Infuegotainment as well. Have you no? been doing that lately? Oh no, yeah, I just put up a review for. for uh, I mean, this past week, what was it? Uh, the, the onward, actually,
2: the latest. Oh, there you from, go. See, the latest so from Pixar. If you we want can do fun, bubbly. wholesome I mean, entertainment, Disney he, Pixar guys. That's he can amazing. do. Do contrast, bubbly he can do yeah. bubbly
0: so if you if you need something a good palate cleanser check out Infuego tame yeah hug your loved ones today that are living Yeah, what like, you recommend onward i loved it sweet because we're going it to made see me it, tomorrow. Cr- really it it good. made me
2: cry
1: oh twice damn it.
2: twice pixar Man. i mean if you cried during coco if you cried during us oh, or oh, wally yeah, yeah. you will probably cry Coco. I adore
0: Coco. My meanwhile, God, I love that. Meanwhile movie. anyway, whoever, whoever, that's happy
2: stuff. That's good death, okay? Whoever, that's like death. enriching
0: death, not like this. Whoever <laughs> decided to do a live action Lion King and just botched uh, the whole process the way that they did, I hope you fucking meet Ted. I'm just kidding. <laughs> In your sleep. In your sleep. In your sleep In hell. <laughs> but uh yeah, so Anyway, and then Rocio, yeah. where can they
3: find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram on heyitsunderscorero, and I might be creating a separate Instagram account just specifically for uh, the podcast, so maybe next time I'll give you that information. But for now, you can find me on Instagram, um, and I'm that's basically it. I mean, I'm on Facebook, too, but I'm not really in there as much, but Instagram is where I'll be.
0: And she's also, she's downplaying it, but she's also got something in the works where she'll actually be hosting her own podcast based around... Yeah.
3: Uh, ...womanhood. And actually, it might change into just humans in general. Okay. Getting dad's perspectives and men's perspectives. Because I'm not a dad. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I feel very empowered with uh, women who are strong, who are um, leaders in their their. Workplaces, single moms who are basically killing it every fucking day. So it's just gonna be a wide variety of just different topics that, um, you know, can really hit close to home as far and as And not being just a mom. that but how
0: you function just floating on this goddamn yeah, rock. Just
3: how you function. I mean I thought before having kids that I had no time. Now I almost have zero time because I have kids. I have a career, you know, and so it's just it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm I already have a couple guest speakers that I have in mind, so that'll be something for the future to come up and I'll give you guys more details once that unravels. Yeah. There you go. Give so, us the
0: deeds. Keep us posted. So yeah, as soon as she gets that going, obviously we will be showing away for that as much as possible. But once again, thank you guys for hanging out. Season two, episode one is now in the books. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, look for episode two, and then we'll Oops. probably finish this off around three. This might be a three-parter. I'm, I'm banking. I'm telling you now, it's at least, at least a three-parter. And if I find a really cool conspiracy around this, might be a fucking four-parter. And then uh, we got yeah, some maybe, cool surprises the rest yeah. of the season.
2: Yeah, and maybe even some discussion about the different films that have been based. That's around, not a idea.
0: Around,
1: Ted and you know Bundy, what? Honestly,
0: you know? that might not be. Some. I mean, you might, you might artistic interpretations, so to speak. If I know? can convince Fuego, we might even be able to do, say, we a, could do a video cast. cast. Yeah, yeah, we could do maybe a, have a Cecil on do- here
2: maybe so, or, I mean it's
0: technically I mean, a horror movie right so we I could do, do that.
2: that and we could have Profiling Pain crossover and maybe do a video discussion if you guys are down about one or a selection of there these films go. based on Ted Bundy because there's there's a few of them right? not yeah.
0: just starring the Zach high school musical fun. kid okay right. so <laughs> but thank you guys again so much and I mean as always you guys have been amazing we've been Profiling Pain and uh stay metal mofos have a good one don't Get Corona. It's scary out there.
2: I like tomates.
0: I've gone from 209 down to 191 in the last six weeks.
3: Keto's, hey.
2: keto's working, son. Wow. Uh, well, that's a, that's an e- eternal struggle as somebody who has lost weight, gained a little bit I've, back, lost weight, gained a little bit back. In, it's the, like,
0: in the many years now that I've known Fuego, Fuego will be like, Nah, no buns this week. No buns <laughs> this week. Yeah, no, no, no. Got to stay low carb. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I asked I asked Fuego when I started doing keto the first time. I was like, So how long do I got to do this? He goes, Oh, forever. No. Okay, cool.